Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome to another episode of Friends with Friends. My name's Pete Allison. Here's Dave Cripp. Ahoy de hoy de hoy. Oh, remix. Remix. It's been a while since I mixed it up a bit, I thought. Oh, give some fresh content, why not? How are you? Uh, very well, thank you, actually. Yes, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Not bad. Not bad at all. What news is there? I mean, the most exciting thing to happen to me today is that I was selling some... Um, bedside tables do you work at dfs now <laughs> i mean i was reselling <laughs> and uh, but yes i do work at dfs but but somebody messaged saying that they were they wanted them and they picked them up tonight i was like oh that's good and then they messaged saying i've just realized you're in leeds i'm in cardiff i mean like, well, was that not clear to them before well exactly I mean, uh, it's it's understandable not to be asked about two bedside tables if you live in Cardiff and they're in Leeds. But come on, you... I was going to say prick tease, but, you know, it's um, a bit extreme for bedside tables. Oh, sorry, mate. So you're back to square one with the, with the yeah. furniture offloading. So if anyone wants to buy any bedside tables and they live closer to Leeds than Cardiff... Um, Give me a shout. I always knew this podcast had just become us selling our stuff to try and make some money. And I'm <laughs> glad it's finally landed there. So um, why are you selling them out of interest? I'm actually, it's, it's actually Friends with Friends related. I'm going to get a desk and then I'm going to record the podcast at the desk. Because Dave, where am I right now? I imagine you're sat on your floor. Your I'm sat on my floor. Coffee table, right? Yeah, that's correct. You're getting a seat height table for once. I'm going to create the podcast room. Um... And I will respect it as a professional workspace. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? So are these your spare bedroom bedside tables? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So if I come and stay at your flat now, do I? Um, you you have a you have a, a chest of drawers to rest your nighttime beverage on. Okay. Um. <laughs> How far is that from the why, pillow? Why, why are we why are we talking about this? I'm just I'm interested to know what. Uh, no, very very close to the pillow. Yeah. Okay, fine. No, I just I'm just interested in the sort of how the feng shui the, of the, the geography of, yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, how the bedroom's going to sort of shape up now. There you go. Uh, okay, that's fine. As long as my night my nighttime beverage is safe, then uh, mm. all's well that ends well. Oh, the safety of your nighttime beverage was never in question. <laughs> um, should we talk about friends, Peter? Yeah, what episode? Oh, on Instagram. This is from Amy. 
Hi, Amy. Yes, hello to Amy. Um, Amy says, hi, Dave and Pete. Love the podcast. Great Hi, Amy. Okay, sure. (laughs) I started listening back in September 2018. Well, that's quite a way away. It's two years ago, isn't it? Two years ago. Why did Amy start listening? I hear you ask, Pete. Oh, we did a live show around then. Correct. I saw Alex Zane promoting the live taping of his episode on Twitter. Didn't come though, did you, Amy? I decided to go to the live show. Oh, she did. After only listening to your first episode to see what the podcast was like and thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, that's a relief. That's really nice, isn't it? It works. She took a punt on us, Dave. She took a punt on us and she's still here two years later. More fool you. Uh, No, but thanks. That's very kind. How lovely. Uh, Season three has always been my fave. The one where no one's ready is my all-time favourite episode. Well. Well, isn't it everyone's? Everybody's. And therefore, the first real experience you had was, because that's what Alex Zane chose, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, true. But I'm currently doing a rewatch of the show and forgotten how good season two is. Yeah. So my suggestion is season two, episode 23, the one with the chicken pox. The A story with Phoebe and Ryan struggling with chicken pox is very funny. Charlie Sheen is a great guest star. The B and C stories are also good. Ross and Rachel, who are more on the periphery in this episode, still have moments to shine. And I love the whole muffin bit in the cold open. Uh, And here's the key, Pete. I've created a quiz if you'd like to use it. (gasps) I'll send it in a separate message. So, thanks, Amy. Um... Now, what Amy has done, actually, is uh, send the quiz. And then at the bottom of the quiz, I've only just noticed, it says, if you'd like to use this quiz, let me know and I'll send you the answers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Classic so we can play Pete a quiz. and Dave organisation. <laughs> we, we can do the quiz, but not and necessarily. And then we'll just sort of leave the answers sort of floating in the ether um, for a few days. Great news. Um, and we've not had yet a consecutive episode on the podcast, but this is a sort of um, backwards consecutive in the sense that this directly precedes the episode we did last week. Yes, I did think it felt like similar timing because Rachel and Ross seem quite happy. Rachel and Ross seem quite happy and Richard and Monica seem very happy as they did at the start of the one with Barry and Mindy's wedding before mm. unceremoniously breaking up at the end of it. Um, so yeah, so it's, but it's directly before it. So it's interesting. I did find it watching Monica and Richard going, oh, not going to end well, is it? No. <laughs> Which I'd known anyway, but it was just a bit more raw, a bit more raw to me in the context of the podcast. Um, so there you go. Uh, directed by Michael Lembeck. Lembeck, Lembeck. Um, I've forgotten why we like Michael Lembeck, if I'm perfectly honest. Pete. I wasn't aware that we did. We just say his name, don't we? we uh, yeah, well, that's true, actually. Um, well, he's, he's definitely. I'm sure he's a nice man. Yeah, just... well, I'm fine. We'll get him on sometime, probably. We, we should be able to get Lembeck, surely. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we, we can't get Michael Lembeck on this podcast, we're not very. Not, not, not punching very high, are we? Well, I don't think we are, are we, really? No, because what that would require is just to do something about getting Michael yeah. Lembeck on, and we're probably not. And who has the time, Dave? Who's got the time? We're all busy. So Amy has very nicely summed up uh, the plot for us in that message, although she didn't actually mention the the, the B and C plot by detail, which are namely Monica and Richard talking about basically Monica being obsessive and Richard finding it endearing and Monica getting stressed and then Joey getting a job working for Chandler hmm. um, which I'd say is probably probably the biggest of the plots actually in this. Yeah, I mean none of the stories really go too far do they? 
No, it's interesting. There's a lot of short, sharp scenes in this episode. I don't know if you noticed that watching it. But when I was making my notes, I was barely typing before there was a little jingle jangle and then we're on to the next scene. Um, with the opening scene before the credits, yeah, I think it's probably because we're living through a pandemic, but I was <laughs> appalled by the gross hygiene of clean freak Monica licking Chandler's mug. Yes. Well, I mean, that comes back to bite her in one sense. So it's interesting. And this is something that Amy enjoyed in her, she said in a message to hold muffins. So if you don't remember the sequence of events, they only have one muffin left. Chandler grabs it. Monica says, give it to me. I want it. You know, I ordered first. Chandler licks the muffin, so Monica obviously can't eat it, and then she licks the cup in front of him, which turns out, Pete, not to be his coffee cup. And she looks appalled by that. But I would have thought, like you say, that Monica would have been appalled either way. Like, whether it was a stranger's mug or somebody else's mug that she knows, I just don't feel like she would ever, ever do that. Yeah, still gross, and not befitting of Monica's clean character. I tell you what, watching this episode in a pandemic, a lot of it is a bit... Like the licking of stuff, yeah. The, the chicken pox, the scratching, the, the lack of quarters, contact, yeah. you know, all of that sort of stuff. Very, very of the moment, wasn't it? So yes, yeah, so the, the muffin licking incident. Then Chandler takes a bite out of the muffin, and the rest of the cold open um, is basically them all making innuendos that Chandler can't make jokes about because he's eating a muffin. Yeah, it does take him a long time to eat that muffin, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it must be a very. Um... What's the word for when something's difficult to chew? Chewy? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I think I wanted to try and get the word masticate in there. Oh, yes. It was a tough masticate. Very (laughs) masticating. I'm not sure we've used that word correctly at all. Um. Say it with confidence and it's fine. (laughs) So Chandler needed to masticate more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yes, a Phoebe comes in and announces that Ryan's on his way back, the Navy guy who's in a submarine for sort of two years at a time. and um, actually, Which is a very long time to be in a submarine, isn't it? It's a very long time, as is evidence later. Um, and then Ross comes in and says, Ben's got chicken pox. Oh, poor old Ben. Ben's not in this episode. He just is in it by virtue of spreading a disease. Yet again, yes. another, another, well, a virus, another bloody virus. Yeah. Um, knocking about. And then, so here's my first question about the chicken pox. And I think we should start with the chicken pox storyline, because despite it being the sort of... Um, headline plot very much what happens as far as i have written down in my notes are they get chicken pox they start scratching each other the other say stop scratching they don't scratch for a bit then they start scratching each other again that's basically it right let's move on to monica and rachel <laughs> now that is that is pretty much it but charlie sheen arrives at monica and rachel's apartment a just lets himself in yep very casual. He knows that's not Phoebe's apartment, and he just wanders in like he's bloody Joey or Chandler, eh? Who do you think you are? Um, Charlie Sheen wouldn't have got chicken pox that quickly, would he? Well, even in Phoebe's case, how quickly do chicken pox develop? Because she seems to go from a freckle to chronic in about an hour. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she seems to get the sort of the, the one pox, the initial pox. Is that what it is? The singular of pox. She gets the initial one. Um, like, almost as Ross goes, Ben's got the chicken pox, which, again, seems very... Uh, like a very quick transfer of a virus. And if there's one thing, Pete, we know about these days, bloody 
viruses take at least Incubation seven to ten periods. days, don't they? And uh, chickenpox, do they take two weeks to go away? Because like, that's the whole worry for Phoebe, is that she's got Ryan for two weeks and that they've both got chickenpox. But like, you, you've still got time to do nice things after you've well, had chickenpox. How long does... Oh, so here we go. Appears 10 to 21 days after exposure to the virus. So... Charlie Sheen wouldn't have got it until the last couple of days and usually right. lasts about five to ten days. That's four days for fun activities. Well, yes. Well, so Ryan wouldn't have had it at all for the two weeks, really. It's very unlikely he would have started to contract, to sort of show until uh, the last couple of days. Also, don't you think that taping oven mitts to the hands of somebody with chickenpox sounds like actual torture? Yeah, it's very odd, isn't it? They They make a... Big old bloody dog's dinner of doing stuff with oven mitts on, which, like, oven mitts are cumbersome, sure, but when Charlie Sheen's pouring that bottle of wine, like, I could pour a bottle of wine wearing oven mitts, I think, with fairly little... Sounds like a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, well, it does, doesn't it? But with fairly l- little difficulty, it's not It's not like you're wearing a fucking cardboard box on each hand or anything, you know? It's just like a, a hand-shaped glove, isn't it? It also bothers me that they start making out just after they start dinner. Like, your spaghetti's getting cold. I know, they've had all day to make out. But they just, yeah, you're, you're quite right. Um, but so, so so Charlie Sheen sacrifices himself to the pox, doesn't he? I'm, I, I keep calling him Charlie Sheen. Um, <laughs> yeah. What point of Charlie Sheen's life was this, do we know? Well, I did think that he seems very relaxed. And the one line I think he seems really relaxed delivering is when he comes out of the bathroom with the oven mitts on mm. and he makes some reference to, oh, that was hard work or something, because yeah. obviously he can't go for a wee when he's got his oven mitts on. Yeah. Um, and he just, it, it he seems very at ease. And so it feels like, He's not intimidated at all. He's no Brad Pitt in this situation. No, no. Well, yeah, what I would say is, if anything, in this episode, Charlie Sheen's quite likeable. And that's not something I've really experienced for at least 20 years. And there's another one of these conversation parodies, isn't there, with the, like, sex talk as they scratch each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're spotting more and more, aren't we? There's a lot of those. Uh, this one's very overt, isn't it, though? And they start rub- they sort of start rubbing their backs against each other. And basically, I can't even remember how the conversation pans out in the end. What, what, is it just them going, oh, no, you like that, do you? Harder, harder. It's basically all, yeah. just all the sex words, isn't it? Yeah. All the sex words, but with oven gloves on. Which is possibly the first time anyone said that sentence. Yeah, <laughs> I would have thought so. Um, but yeah, then, then basically this pans out by Monica makes them gaffer take the oven mitts to her hands... They can't scratch, they can't scratch, they can't scratch. They sit down for dinner as soon as they're alone again. Oh, just rip them off and just bollocks to it, basically, is what they say, isn't it? And then um, they send Charlie Sheen off at the end. Back down the submarine. Back down the submarine, never to be seen or heard of again. So we're on to Monica and Richard then, are we, before we uh, headline with Joey and Chandler? There's a line that Richard says early on in this, and I had to rewind it just to put the subtitles on to check I'd heard it right. Oh, yeah. So Monica comes in and she makes some reference to, oh, you don't have to make the bed, we're not at camp, right? Yep. And Richard replies, well, that panty raid last night was totally uncalled for. Does does panty raid, does, does that mean sex? Does, hang on, did you put the subtitles on and it says panty raid? Yeah. I thought it was pantry raid. Oh, it said panty. <laughs> oh, hang on. Now I need to check. No, I'm sure it said that. I mean, because I, I was sat there thinking that panty raid meant 
sex. Well, okay. because that's that's a horrible expression for sex. <laughs> Pantry raid w- okay, <laughs> would make more sense. <laughs> oh, then I guess the panty raid last. It does say panty. <laughs> It does say panty. The subtitle on Netflix says panty. Well, no, and he clearly says panty in in, in with his voice. So does the, by that does he mean that he was raiding her pants? Right. I've just googled panty raid because that is awful. Panty raid is a raid on a women's dormitory by college men, usually to obtain panties as trophies. I mean, that's still <laughs> that's that's no better, is it? That's still fucking weird I feel like every couple of weeks now though we're asking our North American listeners to basically explain basic facets of American culture to I, us. I, I don't need them to explain that I think it's best leaving that one in quite a dark box should we leave it at that? Um, yeah <laughs> very strange isn't it anyway so back to this how did I raise that? <laughs> um, Rich has made the bed Monica uh, remakes it because she's mad Right? There's, there's no two ways about this. This is the height of Monica Madness in terms of, like, one of the most extreme examples we get of Monica being a real OCD sort of neat freak, you know? Well, you see, the thing is that, that a lot of people sort of claim that they're, oh, that's my OCD. And actually, they're just quite neat and tidy. Whereas this, for Monica, actual OCD. I probably have moved the duvet around before, if... You know, the bit that you button up at the bottom's on the wrong side. It's where she starts going into the logic of, well, the flowers, the flowers have to be facing the sun and right. the sun is at the head of the bed. Like, that's all of it. That, I think I think that's where she takes... I think, I think the label being at the wrong end, maybe just on a logical, practical level, the label might be all up in your grill. Might yeah. be in your face when you're sleeping. No one wants a label there, do they? Um, but yeah, the flowers thing is 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 when we get really into into the height of Monica, um, and so Richard tries to appease her basically by making up a very unconvincing lie about socks. Yeah, I mean, even the one at the end of the story where he says something about the side of the bed he has to sleep on. Well, he's like, clearly making that up as well, right? Yeah, I, I assume so. Somehow, that one convinces her, even though he doesn't. He's not even trying to make it sound like a convincing lie. I have to, like, he's pausing halfway through it, as like he's just making it up on the spot. I have to sleep on the west side of the bed because I grew up in California, and if so, the ocean is on the wrong side. But as we know, actually, Pete, from the uh, from the duvet, Monica's duvet needs to point east, which is up. So actually, Monica's bed's for for the for the flowers, you know. Um, important question. Yeah. If I stood at the bottom of the bed looking at the pillows, yeah. which side of the bed do you sleep on? If you're standing at the bed looking at the, uh, the right-hand side. Oh, we could sleep together, Dave. You're on the left. You're Richard. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lefter. In my last flat with my then-girlfriend, I used to sleep on the left side um, because it was nearest the door. And then when we moved flat, we swapped because she didn't like to be near the door. What was the logic there? I think it's a psychological thing. I don't know. Like, if a murderer comes in through the door, they'll kill me first. I don't know. Oh, I'm happy um, to be. I'm happy to be murdered. You know. If if I if we were in bed together, Dave. Yeah. And a murderer came in, I would defend you. That's very nice of you. No matter what side of the bed you're on. Yeah. There you go. I mean, it's one thing saying it's another thing. But it's, it's quite unlikely. I, I think, A, it's quite unlikely, famous last words. You can quote this when it happens. I think it's quite unlikely that I'll get murdered. Um, B, the odds of you being in the bedroom with me when that happens, also quite slim. 
Well, I'll probably be in the guest bedroom with my beverage on the chest of drawers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but but here's the thing. To sum up, and we'll move on from this, I think you and I basically would be dreadful if a murderer came into a room, well, yes, be it I'd one of so. us or both of us in it. But Monica uh, initially sort of throws it back in Richard's face and says, no, you have to sleep on that side of the bed because I have to sleep on this side. Thus sort of painting the picture that she's got this OCD about the side of the bed she sleeps on, she'll always sleep on that side of the bed. Yet, the one where they're up all night and many other ones when Monica and Chandler are together later on, Monica is on the other side of the bed. How do you square that one, Pete? So this basically boils over because Monica's goes full Monica, full neurotic Monica, and then realises she's gone too far and Richard has has nothing and 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 he makes this it's very it's very sweet moment isn't it and and this does because of what we know is about to happen from last week's episode it's just another really sort of bittersweet moment isn't it like we talked about how their breakup was quite a heartbreaking scene and and this again like richard he really loves her doesn't he he's just going yeah he does you're very sweet he's a saint he's like you're you're absolutely mad but i'm gonna say something mad that i genuinely entirely don't believe to make you feel more comfortable in this situation. And do you know what, Pete? I just think that's lovely. Yeah, that is nice. I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monk. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia <laughs> page? It's good to practice. <laughs> a podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm going <laughs> to fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. That's not right. Uh, Can you not say er in the advert? (laughs) Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. That was all right. (laughs) One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. All right, Joey's working for Chandler. Now, here's my opening gambit for you. It's remarkably easy for the friends in the sitcom Friends to get their friends' jobs with them, isn't it? Yes, especially as... 
later on it's referenced that Joey isn't even in Chandler's team. There's an opening in someone's team. And then, yeah, and within a day, seemingly, Joey has been interviewed and hired for the job he is remarkably unqualified for. And then really embedded himself in the whole uh, social group within the office as well. And if it's to be believed that data processing is really just moving numbers from one column to another, A, why do we need someone to do that? (laughs) B, why do we need a whole team of people to do that? And C, Chandler, like, has got a remarkably easy gig there, hasn't he? He's the head of, apparently, a team of people just moving numbers from one spreadsheet column into another. Which he has a very big office to do that in as well, doesn't he? Yes, yes. I mean, his sort of rise to seniority in that firm we've tracked already haven't we but um yeah I, 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 I still to this day can't really tell you what Chandler Bing's job is or what that company does transponster he's a transponster so later on Joey gets a job at the museum thanks to Ross yes good point. Joey gets a job as a waiter at Alessandro's thanks to Monica Phoebe gets a job being Chandler's assistant later and a job as Joey's agent later <laughs> And as an extra on Days of Our Lives, basically the same conversation happens where, I mean, talk about recycling plot lines, guys. One of them just goes, oh, I need some money. And the other one goes, well, come and work for us at the job that apparently no qualifications are needed and no uh, competition is ever uh, considered for these job vacancies. And also quite an abuse of power by their friends. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, it paints a very uh, efficient and quick picture of the American job market, Pete, which I don't think is necessarily accurate. But, you know... Well, particularly now... Bring the... Satire. Bring it down to a satirical slash bleak level there. It's quite um, it's quite unusual to see Joey being a bit of a dick. He's properly getting into this role, even though it is making Chandler's work life actively worse, and he's remorseless. Now, are we supposed to believe that it's Joey's stupidity that's getting in the way here? Chandler's way of persuading him into the job is to basically go, just be an actor, act like this is a role. And then are we supposed to believe that Joey's so stupid that he can only really see that as the way of doing it and therefore he genuinely doesn't realise that he's making Chandler's life hell? Yeah, I think so. He just gets too involved, doesn't he, in this little character that he's created. And but then that's he... mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's he's, he's... Joey... He's gone full on mother because he, he he invents the backstory, the family, like the, the conversation where he's talking to what's the chops and going, my kids are in the same school as yours. Like that conversation would have follow up questions. She'd be like, who's their teacher? Yeah. You know, where do you live? And all that sort of stuff. And surely Joey's just either made something up that vaguely fits or has no answers to those questions. Then he starts inviting people to his boat. Yeah, like he must have plans to stay in this job because he's mortified when Chandler ends up bidding him off. So that's going to come back to bite him, isn't it? If he starts making social plans with people and then has no family. Or maybe he's playing a very, very, very long game because in about six years, Pete, he will have a boat. That's true. Yes, that is true. (laughs) Not a wife called Karen or three children, uh, but I guess you could explain their absence um on the they, day they fell off the boat they, <laughs> they all fell off the boat i do enjoy chandler's line where you know she'll learn a lesson when she steps off the off the jetty or off the dock on onto nothing um but yeah he's 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 gone full into the character and forgotten that he's in real life and that is i'd say a worrying moment for joey 
I do like Chandler's spontaneous decision to make up him having an affair with Joey's fictional wife. Yeah, that's one of those things, isn't it, where it seems like a mad solution to the problem, but it's a real Chandler just reading how Joey would react to this yeah. and knowing him so well that he knows he just has to say, like, two minutes worth of mad shit and Joey will completely buckle. Um, Joey in a suit, in an oversized suit, is interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. He looks a bit like a small child at a wedding. He looks like he's uh, in Bugsy Malone. <laughs> yes, he does. Now, again, do you think that was a deliberate decision to dress him in like an oversized suit because Joey wouldn't have a suit? Or, as is equally plausible from watching Friends, was that just the fashion at the time? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Like, is that just fashion. a really good suit from the I 19- feel like we've seen Ross in a few dodgy suits. Like, really fucking dodgy suits. Um, but Joey's are particularly sort of um, ill-fitting, aren't they? So, yeah, so then Joey turns on Chandler, becomes a bit like this sort of suck-up to the bosses. Um, it's, it's like, there's some very funny dialogue in that scene between Chandler and Joey where uh, Joey's saying, Joseph would do this. He'd mix things up. If he sees you trying to pull some stuff... He'll call you on it. What are you trying to pull, he'll say. <laughs> Chandler tries to fire Joey, like you say. He realises he can't because Chandler has positioned him out of his reach in this company that apparently just needs people to work there doing whatever. And so he goes to this sort of curveball fictional affair with Joseph's wife. And which then, works. Which works. Joey walks away and everything goes back to normal. How handy. The episode ends, doesn't it, with... Um, Phoebe saying goodbye to Ryan, teary, teary. She has a lot of these very um, deep, intimate, yet short-lived relationships, doesn't she? She does, yeah. With David, and to like, a certain extent to like with uh, Duncan, the ice dancer. Like, these very deep, meaningful um, connections with people that we d- never see again. Uh, apart from David, obviously. But um, it's another very teary goodbye. Very reminiscent of that one where she says goodbye to David and, and, and Joey sort of comes to comfort her late, much later on, you know? <laughs> then we get the nice moment where Phoebe finally gets what Central Perk means. Um, yeah. Which, I'll be honest, could easily have been the moment I got it as well, the first time I watched it. And then the whole thing ends with this bizarre, and I had to look it up because I haven't seen the film An Officer and a Gentleman, but apparently it's a parody of the scene An Officer and a Gentleman. But do you know why I recognise that as a parody of An Officer and a Gentleman? Why? The Simpsons, when Homer does it to Marge. Oh, sure, of course, right. And I won't be back for ten minutes. (laughs) Yes. Crucially, though, neither of us have seen an officer and a gentleman, right? No, no, no. Just a lot of effort from Ross to get that Navy uniform, isn't it? It is, but goodness, isn't he enthusiastic about getting his hands on it? Yes, he's really pro it, isn't he? Ross and Rachel, like Amy mentioned, almost not in this episode at all. They do, they like a bit of role play, don't they, Ross and Rachel? The whole... um, Uh, that outfit and the Princess Leia thing, yeah. Yeah, I really think that's where it. my examples run out. Well, yeah, but for a couple who I imagine have very, very vanilla sex, yeah, uh, they really try and spice things up in, in various ways, don't they? Best of luck to them. Well, yeah, I just don't see Ross as particularly adventurous, but he really goes for it in the sort of acting department more so than anything else. Chipmunk sex. <laughs> Navy chipmunk sex. Should we do Amy's quiz? Yes, let's see the quiz. Okay, so... Well, ha- hang on. So, how are we answering this? We'll with our mouths. say whether we think we're right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, no, I can probably... Do you know, do you know what I can do? I, I've, I've, I've solved it. Let me get the script up. Okay, so I can search through if we don't think we know the answers, okay? Okay, go. Right. Question one. What type of muffin do Monica and Chandler fight over in the cold open? 
I think. Don't I, know. I know this one. It's a banana nut muffin. I was going to say banana. You're going to say banana, Pete? Banana. That would have been half a mark. And you know what we don't give? Half marks are for twats. Half marks are for twats. A joke that will be lost on you if you've never done one of our Instagram quizzes. But that's one of our three rules. And if you haven't, I'm glad it was lost on you. Yeah, exactly. Fucking sort yourself out and do a bloody quiz, all right? Pricks. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a comfortable colour on us, is it, being abusive on the podcast? (laughs) Banana nut muffin. Again, the transcription has three N's in the word banana, but I presume that means banana. According to Monica, where should the duvet tag be? Bottom right. Yep, you're quite right. It shouldn't be at the top left corner. It should be at the bottom right. Correct. Thank you. What, Peter, are the names of Joseph's two daughters? It's one of them, Ashley. I don't know the other one. Brittany? I've done my bit. I think it's Brittany. Correct. Great. It's not the sort of slickest format uh, of a quiz, is it? The sort of searching on... The PDF maybe the maybe I'll add some ridiculously dramatic music underneath it just to liven it up a bit. Great, lovely. Um, what dessert is warming in the oven for Phoebe and Ryan? Peach cobbler. Yes, it is a peach cobbler, isn't it? I'm I'm sure of that before I even look at it. Dramatic peach cobbler. Good. Um, what is a peach cobbler? Is this going to be another? Do you know what a peach cobbler is? Um. Some, I feel like it's sort of peachy and... No, I don't know. But what's is a cobbler? I think that's more my question. Is it just like a, a pie? It's not pie, is it? Is it like a... Like a crumble? A crumble? Yeah. What I'm imagining. Yeah. Like a peach crumble? Who knows? I don't know. We'll never know. And question five, Pete. Rachel has to go back for three things when Ross is carrying her in the end credits. What are they? So the coffee machine needs to be switched off. Is that one of them? She's forgotten her purse. And purse. she's also forgotten to turn the bathroom light off. Let's check those. Oh, I forgot to turn off the cappuccino I'm machine. Right. Yeah. Perth, my purse, my purse, my purse, my purse. I forgot to turn off the bathroom light. Correct. Thank you. A great showing in the quiz from us, Pete. Yeah, done all right there. Shows that two brains are better than one of our brains because I don't think we would have either of us would have got five out of five there, would we? Twice the brains. Twice the brains, twice the fun. The new strapline of Friends with Friends. Thank you, Amy, and thank you for your wonderful quiz. Thank you indeed. And uh, do keep your requests coming in. We're working our way through them. We've still got a fair few to go. So if you have requested it, um, here's what I'd say, actually, Pete. Here's a here's a, a top tip. If you have requested an episode and you haven't heard it on the podcast yet, just do a little bump on the Instagram message or the Twitter message or whatever it is. Because Yeah, then can you just type bump in capitals and yeah, send us that? It'll just bump it straight to the top of our inbox. Do you remember, do you remember bumps off of MSN Messenger? Yeah, nud- you mean nudges? Nudges. Oh, what was bump? Was that not a thing? Have I just forgotten what it was? Nudge. Um, um, bump's just off old off of old um, forums on the internet, isn't it? So give us a nudge or a bump or any sort of equivalent word. In fact, just put, put why don't you put your favourite word uh, instead of the word bump? What's your favourite word in the world? Be interesting to know what our listeners' favourite words are, Pete. Yes, can't wait to hear that. (laughs) When we finish doing Joey, we shall do a second spin-off called Our Listeners' Favourite Words. Words with friends. Oh, that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck. Someone's already taken that. Goodbye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.